0: Well, my interview with Jeremy today is really about how to understand your brand messaging and the right and wrong things to do to amplify. The crux of it is really around purpose. And in the CEO's compass, getting you back on track, one of the chapters I talk about is purpose, finding your purpose. And it's right next to achieving true north or peace of mind. And when I think about, you know, my business, the Illumination Partners. My purpose is to achieve financial peace of mind while doing purposeful work. And financial peace of mind could be anything. It simply could be just enough. And when I talk about the purposeful work, when I talk to people about what I do, I serve the small and medium-sized business senior leader who is going through rapid change. I support them during the technical business issue, and I elevate their team for a lasting impact. That is purpose and what a leader needs to be able to land on and really understand and internalize before you can do what the Joneses are doing. Hiring a PR firm, hiring a marketing firm should only be done once you have your brand messaging very, very clear. And then the work that I and Jeremy do can help really amplify your brand. Let's listen. When I work with CEOs or senior business leaders, I try to really understand what is the purpose? What is the outcome that you're trying to design here, not just get a pretty new website because the competition looks so much better? So sometimes you have to get them to think a little bit and be able to articulate. And then also, what is the culture? What is it about your company that makes you special or different? Because we need to know that, not just have a great graphic designer that makes your website look really good. It's not what's on the outside and how you project to the world, but you need to be able to bring some of that essence, that pride, that culture, what makes makes you special and different than the next company.
1: Absolutely, and you touched on a really important topic here because a lot of people, they'll approach this from the perspective of, oh, well, hey, we should do this because our competitors are doing it. Okay, great, but let's take a few steps back and figure out what you actually want to accomplish. What do you want the outcome to be? Let's say you're sitting on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Are you just going to start sailing? It doesn't seem like a very good idea. If you have no idea where you're going, you don't know if you're going the right way. So it's really critical to have that information.
0: If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I am grateful that you have joined me for another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast, where I speak to amazing leaders and bring their insights to you. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate and review so we can continue to bring you great programming. And I'd also like to make you this offer. The CEO's Compass, my book and my approach to getting CEOs back on track and elevating their teams for a lasting impact. For more information about my consulting services, please reach out to me at dropinceo.com and let's start the conversation. And now I'm honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Jeremy Nauf. Jeremy ran a successful marketing agency until a health crisis nearly killed him and destroyed his business. He rebuilt from that devastating loss by developing a process that his agency now uses to help clients get featured in the media so they can become the authority in their industry, attract more customers, and earn more money. And Jeremy is the CEO of Spartan Media. He is a speaker, author, and a Marine Corps vet. Welcome to the show, Jeremy.
1: Thank you, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And I am so excited to meet you, bring this conversation and shout out to Trey Taylor, who introduced us, another great human who is also on this podcast. I think it's amazing how we all support each other. So I'm so much looking forward to having you tell your story. Your story is compelling. I think sometimes the journey of how we got to where we are is even more important than simply the work we're doing now, but please share with us a little bit about you personally, your your journey, and the work that you're doing now.
1: Sure. So I had kind of a, we'll call it an interesting journey to get from my time after the Marine Corps to where I am today. So I had been running a successful marketing agency for a while, and then I got hit with this mystery health condition that nearly killed me. I spent about two years on my deathbed, and during that time, obviously, the business went down to zero. I wasn't really doing anything of any significance. So I had no clients that I could use as reference. I had no case studies, no examples of any work we had done for a period of two years, right? So in the marketing world, if you don't have these kind of things to prove, to validate that you know what you're doing, you're no different than some random guy on Fiverr. So I was in a really bad position. And what I ended up doing was I leveraged a combination of traditional media, PR, you know, that whole world with social media and search engine optimization and built myself back up incredibly quickly. I got back beyond where I was prior to this health crisis in a matter of about maybe a year or two. So by taking that particular approach, I was able to slingshot myself back to where I wanted to be it's important to point out that this was all while I was still going through this health crisis that we still have not quite fixed. So it's really a matter of when we're faced with some kind of weird or unusual challenge, finding some creative way because we're not going to be able to do things the way we had. At that time, I wasn't able to go and outwork everyone. I wasn't able to spend all night pouring my energy into this project or into landing clients or all the various aspects of a business, because I would be sitting there on the couch, writing an article and fall asleep 10 minutes in. So I just didn't have the energy. So I had to find a different way. And I think that's a really important thing we need to remember as CEOs, as founders, as visionary type of entrepreneurs is that we're going to face roadblocks. Some of them are going to be obvious. We may have challenges in business, economic challenges, big competitors that we're going up against whatever or we could have things that completely blindside us but what separates the people who are going to crush it versus the people who are going to just give up and go back to a job is that adaptability that way that mindset where you're going to find a way around it whatever it is
0: thank you for that story and i think when we share our stories that it's not all perfect <laughs> there's trials and tribulations to get to the success and the journey to success but it's at least good to acknowledge that and also share that with others. But I'd love to go a little bit deeper into that. So you said, and this is what I talk about in the CEO's Compass, the book that I'm writing right now, is that you and others are amazingly successful. You've followed the playbook, you found your own way, and then something changed. And unfortunately, it was your health that changed. So you had to find a new way to get back on track. So what was it about your approach? Obviously, brute force with your own capacity couldn't do it. But right. what was different about your approach that, as you say, you got back on track and then realized even greater success?
1: The approach that I took was, like I mentioned before, it was a combination of PR, social, and SEO. And these were things that I had always been using in our agency for our clients, as well as for myself. But I didn't use them for myself anywhere near as effectively as I could have or should have. So one of the things I started doing was getting far more active on social media. From there... I started reaching out to people and actually asking for help because in the past, that was something I didn't do. I had this ego thing where I wanted to be the one who did everything and it just, it wasn't an effective way to go about it. And frankly, at this point, I could not do that. So I had to start leveraging relationships. So we talked about social a little bit. Then I went to, I started writing articles on my own blog. Then I used that as a stepping stone to get into larger publications. I first started going out to other people's blogs, they were varying levels of traffic, but now what I had was I had this wealth of content that served as an example. So if I went and pitched a large publication, they would have something to look at. They would have something to gauge my writing skill. One of the first publications I reached out to was Search Engine Journal. A friend of mine actually made that intro for me to the executive editor, Danny Goodwin, amazing guy. I ended up getting a column there, started writing very regularly, and I've been writing there for, it's been several years now at this point, but then from there, I was able to leverage that into several other search engine optimization publications, and then people in the SEO industry started reaching out, asking me to write for them. Then I started leveraging that up into other news publications, into other, what I would consider tier one media. For example, I have my column in Entrepreneur, I've been featured in Forbes, I'm all over the place. So basically, it's a matter of putting that content out there and then working your way up the ladder, but that comes down to building these relationships. So that's an area that a lot of people are really weak in. Humans in general tend to reach out to people. Like we've got our close circle of friends, right? The people we talk to all the time, people we can pick up the phone and call them and they're going to answer nine times out of 10. But then we've got these next layer of people who will do things for us or we will do things for, but we don't stay in touch all that often. So the relationships are a little bit weaker because obviously we have contacts scattered all over the world. You can't just go and and see these people face-to-face to to continue to nurture and develop those relationships. So one of the things I started doing was I actually put together a spreadsheet in Google Sheets, and I had everybody – That was in my network that I needed to stay connected with. It would have links for their LinkedIn, for their Twitter, for their Facebook, everywhere that I wanted to connect with them. So now what I can do is I can pop into one of those links, go visit the person on Twitter, see what they're posting, reply to that, go over to Facebook, engage with all their content there. So what this does is we're always going to get busy, right? We're always going to find something that comes up that, oh, well, I'll take care of that social media stuff later. And then later becomes next month. And then six months later. And then now here you are, you're a year down the road. You've got no posts. You haven't engaged with anyone. We have to have a plan in place for it. But the other side of it is, if we're not engaging with people regularly because of how the algorithms and social media work, they're not going to see our stuff and we're not going to see theirs. And you may run into cases, like I run into this a lot with producers and editors less so than I do with other entrepreneurs or contributors for major publications, things like that. And that is they don't tend to post a lot. Most of the producers I know for television stations, they have a LinkedIn account, but they don't do anything with it. It's just there. They can get messages, but they're never posting. Same generally applies to Facebook. And I feel like they're probably not active on social because they would just get bombarded with people wanting them to cover them. Even if they had a social account because of their role, unless they're writing for some political magazine, they can't really talk about a lot of the things that you or I would talk about in general on social media because they have to appear impartial. When you have somebody like that in your network, you can't engage with their stuff because there's nothing there. So it's very easy for those people to fall off your radar and then that relationship gets weaker and weaker. So if we have a formula, a system in place For staying in touch with these people and staying engaged, then it creates stronger relationships. And then also that bleeds out into other relationships where they start wanting to introduce you to other people. Because if you're staying on top of it, always looking for ways to help them, then they're of course going to look for ways to help you. And it was a combination of all of this was what I used to get to where I am now.
0: So much great advice in there. And I will tell you, as a business owner, It's a commitment, but I am engaged on social media and do everything I can to engage, cross engage, introduce, refer, because you never know where those relationships come from. But you've got me thinking here, because depending on the size of the business, whether it's 5 million, 50 million, 500 million, the head of the organization that wants to make a difference, be seen and heard and respected can only engage so much. And sometimes they outsource that to their marketing department. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are. To what extent does that leader really need to put their foot forward, state their leadership, their thoughts, their insights, and something that would resonate with their target client versus the work that they would offload to a marketing department? What is the balance? Because again, you can't do it all. You do need help, but then people need to see you and hear you. What are your thoughts on that?
1: It could be a delicate balancing act. We work with a lot of clients where we're in that exact scenario and we're the back end for them. The founder is too busy running around doing all the things that a founder should be doing or CEO, however you want to look at it. And then we basically handle all of the content creation. When we work with a client, we'll sit down and we'll go through this intense onboarding process where we're pulling everything possible out of their brain. And in that process, in addition to kind of collecting that information, we're also getting a feel for how they communicate. So we'll grab little key phrases, little things they say, or speech patterns, how they engage with certain people. And then what happens is what we'll do is we'll create the content that will get posted on social media or get posted as an article, in some publication, then we can also engage as them. Now, I try to keep that side of things as hush-hush as possible because it's just a gut feeling, but I feel like if other people knew that it wasn't actually them posting and it wasn't actually them replying to those other people's comments, that other people might be likely to not engage as much. I think what's so
0: important there is that you have captured the essence of their brand and their voice. And if mm -hmm. the voice is consistent, regardless of what it comes out of, what recording or person, the message is there and you're still getting the desired outcome. So yes, we may enlist the services of others sometimes and I have at times as well, but it's the message, it's the voice, it's the consistency and that connection with the people you're targeting with.
1: Absolutely. And there is a a really important step and I'm a huge process guy. I feel like Mm -hmm. the more processes we have for things that document all of the work that needs to be done, the less room there is for error, right? If somebody's going to wing something, then that could go off in literally any different direction. But if you've got a process that maps everything out, for example, we flowchart out all of our work. So there's a detailed process for everything that we do. In the rare case that somebody has to take on a completely unique situation that isn't in the process because everything else is there, they've kind of got guardrails like you have in bowling, right? So they can only go so far. So if you're going to outsource this, you need to have a document or some way of communicating the various relationships within that person's network. So if you're the CEO, but you've got five really great friends that are going to be commenting on your stuff all the time, whoever's handling your social needs to know that and know how you would normally communicate to them because you're going to communicate to those people very differently than you will some stranger. So it's really important to have all of this documented so that there is a solid process because all it takes is for for one person to make the wrong statement or reply in the wrong way for us to create some kind of PR nightmare.
0: So you've really touched on something that's just so much different than I'm just a social media service because... You do need some skills, but you don't need as much. It sounds like you provide so much more, and I think it may go to just understanding what their brand voice is. But I got a question for you. In your summary, in your profile on LinkedIn, you talk about the avatar, the client that sometimes comes to you that says, they come to us because sometimes their website is not getting enough business, or they're being outdone by the competitor, or it's just not resonating with their customers. So, again, you can always redo a website, but how much of the time is it when you meet a client, they still don't even have their purpose or their brand message crisp, and you need to do that head work, that hard work. Mm-hmm. And get that out first before you even think about redoing their website or other aspects of social.
1: I think, you know, the answer is far too often than it should
0: happen. Mm -hmm. So you have to start with, okay, let's just get down. What are you trying to communicate? And are you attracting the right people? And what is the purposeful work you're really trying to do? Have you ever had to steer anybody in a different direction?
1: We've definitely had cases like that where we've had to steer them in a different direction or completely revamp everything about how they're approaching all of their communication But that's all just part of our normal onboarding process. So if those things are not addressed in the business, just in general, we're going to identify that pretty quickly. If you're really digging in to find the brand voice, you're going to figure out whether or not these things are in place pretty quickly. If you know the right questions to ask.
0: That's one of the things when I work with CEOs or senior business leaders, I try to really understand what is the purpose? What is the outcome that you're trying to design here, not just get a pretty new website because the competition looks so much better? So sometimes you have to get them to think a little bit and be able to articulate. And then also, what is the culture? What is it about your company that makes you special or different? Because we need to know that, not just have a great graphic designer that makes your website look really good. It's not what's yeah. on the outside and how you project to the world, but you need to be able to bring some of that essence, that pride, that culture, what makes makes you special and different than the next company.
1: Absolutely. And you touched on a really important topic here because a lot of people, they'll approach this from the perspective of, oh, well, hey, we should do this because our competitors are doing it. Okay, great. But let's take a few steps back and figure out what you actually want to accomplish. What do you want the outcome to be? Let's say you're sitting on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Are you just going to start sailing? It doesn't seem like a very good idea. If you have no idea where you're going, you don't know if you're going the right way. So it's really critical to have that information.
0: And you just touched on one of the key messages of my book, The CEO's Compass, which starts with true north or peace of mind. What will give you peace of mind? Purpose is really close to that. What is the outcome you want to achieve? And you'll know when you get there because you have that peace of mind. Love the compass point, the navigation terminology. But let's bring it back to you, Spartan. Yeah. Spartan Media. Where did the name uh, come from?
1: So the name, it's a reference to my military background. In the Marine Corps, we have a saying, adapt, improvise, and overcome. And basically what this means is whatever the mission is, and for those who don't know, people who think that in the military we go and we make this plan and we just go and execute it and everything goes according to plan, I can promise you it's nothing like that. Pretty much the plan goes to hell as soon as something happens, whatever it is, the plan is always going to go wrong and you're going to have to adapt on the fly. And this is where I feel like we differentiate ourselves. One of the many ways where we differentiate ourselves from other agencies, because it's not about doing the thing, right? It's not, hey, let's build this website. It's let's get you more customers. So the mission is of the utmost priority. So if things start going wrong, we're going to have to find ways to adapt to ensure your success. It's not just, hey, we tried. It didn't work sorry, you want to pay us some more money to try again? No, we're going to find a way to get around that. You know, Maybe that means going over a wall. Maybe that means blowing the wall up. Like Whatever it is, there's going to be a way to solve that problem. It's that military mindset to everything that we do. It's not about feelings. It's not about emotions. It's about the end result.
0: And the mission. Beautifully Absolutely. said. Thank so you. tell me about a client where They came to you. I've got a problem. I'm not getting the desired outcome. I need your help. You propose a solution. They're resistant to the change, but then somehow you're able to bring them through and accomplish the mission. What did that look like and what was the change that you needed to see in the leader or the organization?
1: Great question. I had a great client still working with them. We've been working with them for, I don't know, 10, 15 years at this point. The current CEO of the company was not always the CEO. So he had taken over after the founder kind of created a toxic relationship with some of the franchisees. It created this huge chaotic situation. They were facing all kinds of reputation management issues. They had 19 franchisees walk away and tried to organize a class action lawsuit. And this was right around the time that my friend who had just sold his company and came to work for this client, it was right around the time that he had done that. So now here he is just a couple of months or so into the business as I think he was the chief operating officer initially. He had to step up to CEO and the founder stepped down to see basically to get an advisory position on the board. Problem was the guy who now was running as CEO didn't have any experience in the industry. He had no connections. He had no authority. He was basically nobody in that industry. And when you couple that with the fact that Pretty much all the franchisees are pissed off, and there's all this tension and conflict and drama. He did not want to rock the boat at all. So he didn't want to be out front and center in front of anything. He didn't want to be the person writing articles for publications. He didn't want to be him as an individual on social media sharing thoughts on this stuff, in part because he didn't have the knowledge and background to do it, but also because we all have that feeling, we don't want to be attacked. So we worked through that kind of slowly and eventually got him to the point where he was comfortable with some of these things. And it was a rough push to get to that point. Around, I think it was 2019, we now had him at a point where he went from being nobody in that industry to in 2019, he's sitting down with congressmen and senators, lobbying them on behalf of his industry. In that process, it was a lot of little baby steps. We had to get him comfortable with a thing and then do that. And then as he can see the results and see that, yeah, nobody's coming to burn your house down because you said this thing online. Then we went and ratcheted it up a little bit and then ratcheted it up a little bit more. And eventually we got him to the point where he was doing video online, which he was very uncomfortable with. He's a heavier guy, so he's a little self-conscious. And I remember a particular video I was actually blown away at his response to it because he had posted a video about drug testing. So this is what they do. It's, it's a national drug testing company. And of course, that's a type of business where some people are going to love what you do. Well, no. I think probably people in the industry love the industry. But for the most part, people are either going to be indifferent to it, even the HR people. They don't care about it except for when they have to do it. That's really their only interest. Nobody's passionate about this, I think. But you also have a large group of people who are very vehemently against this. They believe that his industry is on par with the Third Reich because they're knocking out people who they think should have a job. Needless to say, him being on social attracted a lot of attention. And I remember this particular video where he's talking about some kind of drug testing. I don't remember what it was. And the comments in there were just shredding him. Now, he's a, like I said, he's a heavier guy. And I remember one of the comments was something along the lines of, well, I'm sure I can pass a drug test, but I'm not sure that you could pass a buffet. Another one said something about, I really hope that the diabetes takes you fast. Just horrible, brutal comments. And because of all the work that had been done up to this point of getting him comfortable with things, getting him to accept that this is part of the process, that you're going to have this kind of thing happening online when that actually happened he was okay with it as savage as those comments were he was fine and now today it doesn't even bother him at all there was a long growth and learning curve there for him to understand that yeah you're going to have people who are going to attack you you're going to have haters detractors whatever you want to call them and that's okay not everyone's going to like you so that was an example where there was a lot of resistance in the beginning and then over a period of time through education and data, he came to realize that we were right.
0: So this is one of the reasons why people like you really resonate with me. Again, we can say we're consultants. And consultancy can get a bad rap because, hey, we tried it. The consultant told us to do it. And then when it didn't work, we can blame it on the consultant without taking personal accountability. Sure. What I prefer to think is the work that you do and the work that I do, and I talk about this in the book, is the partnership. Because again, you had the mission to elevate whatever brand messaging or get him the clients that he wanted. You were there for the mission. And it does mean that you have to partner with them, push your clients to do something that maybe they're not comfortable with. But at the end of the day, if you do it with caring, kindness, and baby steps without them going over the edge, you can push them close enough to the edge and see the evolution. Like you say, they're still a client of yours. And that's kind of what we're looking for. We're not looking always for hundreds of clients, but we're looking for the special ones that are willing to partner with us. Trust us on this journey. And as you say, he's relevant enough now to have haters and people that also care and love the work that he's doing. And that's the noble work. But I want to take you in another direction because you are very active on social media. Go figure. Twitter, March 11th. So that was pretty recent. You said some of the, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. The biggest okay. mistake you can make on social media is to filter your message and a voice That is weak just to please everybody, but trying to please everyone just ensures that no one will really get your message and it becomes diluted and then it's meaningless. So just tell us a little bit more about the message here about when we put ourselves out there, what should be our intention?
1: Well, this comes down to the foundational work that we need to do as entrepreneurs, right? We have to know exactly who our tribe is. Who are we trying to appeal to? And from there, our messaging should communicate directly to them. A lot of people have this misguided mindset. There's two mindset issues for most people when it comes to social media. The issue is we get this mindset that people are potentially going to attack us or they're not going to like what we say. And then that will make me feel bad as a person and everything will be terrible. Reality is, doesn't matter. Everything's going to be fine. You're not going to die. Nobody's shooting at you. It's fine. People try to dumb it down in a way to make sure that it doesn't, turn anyone off or it doesn't offend anyone. And the problem is if you want your audience to be passionate about what you do, look at the debate between Mac and PC. Perfect example. People are completely entrenched in that. You're either a Mac person or a PC person. There's not really any middle ground. Now, if Apple started diluting their message to the point where you couldn't tell, they're not saying why they're better. They're not giving anything to really give somebody a reason to be passionate about what they're doing, then yeah, they wouldn't turn anyone off, but they also wouldn't turn anyone on. So the things that are going to attract somebody to you are the same things that are going to turn other people away. So we have to be comfortable with that. So I ran into a situation a few months ago, I don't remember exactly what it was, where a client we had been handling some social for completely fell apart because one person criticized one of his posts on social media and... I'm like, look, you're going to get criticism. That's all part of the process. So we have to say things in a way that conveys our message, but also engages people on an emotional level. Otherwise, it's going to have zero impact. And if you're going to do something that has zero impact, what's the point?
0: So let's come back to you and your company, because I want to make sure that the right people are hearing you and how you can help them. So What does it look like? The leader, the perfect client, what are their pain points that they're feeling right now? What are they not getting? What are they frustrated with? What are they worried about? And why would they need you?
1: What we've been focusing on for a while now is taking people, getting them featured in the media to turn them into an authority in their industry so that they can make more money and serve more people and contribute more value to the world. So the people who are ideal for this are people who are legitimately experts, but they're not yet recognized as such. And they want to get out there and maybe they're comfortable, maybe they're not comfortable, but maybe they're comfortable being uncomfortable for a period until they get uncomfortable. Basically, they want to get out there. They want to share their knowledge. They want to become an authority. They want to be recognized as a leader so that they can then go out here and Not only serve more people, but also bring more leaders up in their industry and continue to shape and add value into the world.
0: And so they're at a point now where they just don't know how to do it, who to turn to, or who to trust.
1: Yeah, a lot of cases they're super busy. So they're doing all of the management, they're training people, they're doing all of this stuff. They don't have time to handle the PR and social media side of things. And even if they did, they probably don't know how. So it's somebody, maybe it's top producing real estate agent, or maybe it's a financial planner, somebody in a professional services industry where they want to be recognized so that when somebody comes to them, they're going to have a smoother process, right? Because, I mean, think about it like this. If you go to the doctor, let's say you go in and you feel like you're, you're having these chest pains, you go into the emergency room and you start explaining what's going on. They're going to say, okay, go ahead and lay down on this gurney, and they're going to wheel you back. They're going to probably start hooking up the little EKG stuff to you. They're going to probably stick an IV in you. They're going to do all these things. Not once are you going to stop them and say, whoa, 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 tell me about your background. Tell me about your credentials. Let me see your grades. Let me see your reviews. How much is this going to cost me? None of that, right? Because they are in a position of authority. So we take the same approach in the business world. When we can put a business owner in a position of authority where they're just recognized as the default expert, then they have a lot easier job of bringing clients on and then serving them, right? If we talk about like financial planning, for example, if you know somebody has been cited by Money Magazine and the New York Times and Forbes and all these places, you know that they know what they're doing. So you're probably not going to sit there and fight and argue with them about the financial advice they're giving you. That means they can do it more efficiently and now they can go and help more people.
0: I was going to ask one more question. So what if they have a marketing person and they haven't done this already? So what then is the relationship you need to develop with the marketing person on behalf of the senior leader that wants that expertise and that credibility? Are there any challenges there that you've encountered?
1: Not if the marketing person doesn't feel threatened. Okay. So that's going to come down to an ego thing. Most of the time, if they've got a marketing person, if it's a general marketing person, they don't have the connections. They don't have the experience to do this anyway. And ultimately, it's what we do is not going to take away that marketing person's job because there's so many things that have to be done. So if they have a marketing person, that just makes it that much easier.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So that's exactly what I was looking for. Again, you become a partner and extension of that senior leader's organization to really push out their brand, but not in a way that's pushy, but builds that credibility so that they're recognized as an expert. So this has been an amazing conversation. Are there any last thoughts or thoughts for the leaders that you're looking to connect with or the community? What would those be before we bring it to a close?
1: Let's see. Closing thoughts. I will say, I have a quote that I've been using ever since my time in the Marine Corps. And that is, failure catches the week when they put today's comfort over tomorrow's goals. So ultimately, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable to achieve what we want to do because anything that is worth achieving is gonna be outside of our comfort zone.
0: Beautiful advice. I'm writing a book now. I am so uncomfortable right now. And think about the marketing (laughs) and putting that out. I am so uncomfortable right now, but I can't wait to see how it comes out on the other end. Great, great advice for the leader that wants that credibility and have their name and what they do out there. Sincerely appreciate this. How can people best connect with you?
1: I am an easy guy to find. If you Google my name, Jeremy Knopf, K-N-A-U-F-F, you will find me pretty much everywhere Any major search engine will pop me up. You'll find my social profiles, my columns, my website, et cetera.
0: All right. You've been amazing guests. Thank you so much. And can't wait for your community, my community to hear this conversation. Amazing. And thank you so much for being a great guest. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. For more information about our consulting or coaching services, please visit my website at dropinceo.com or visit our Drop-In CEO Facebook group to continue the conversation. Now go out, lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.